Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you who, the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings and our hola, amigos. I am the person in the show title, Spud Goodman, hence the name The Spud Goodman Show. Would you be where you are had there not been a sex tape? No. Thanks a bunch for tuning in on your radio or checking us out on, you know, later on whatever platform you're now listening to. Um, You know, it took a lot of heavy lifting to get this little program to you. First of all, you know, I had to turn off Netflix at my apartment and come to work here at the studio. It was a tough call. I mean, to stay or go as I was up to episode four of My Husband Won't Fit. And I was really into it. I mean, not that I could relate personally to the storyline. It's never really been an issue in my love life. Yeah. Anyway, you know, I was very close to just staying home and watching another episode, but, you know, I'm not asking for sympathy here, just just an acknowledgement of my sacrifice and making what was probably the right decision. Yeah, so, okay, I need to introduce our show's designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Give us a basic laugh, something that, you know, that would fit in in any sitcom, you know, at a, at a way, way higher decibel level than is deserved. <laughs> How was that? Yeah, not too shabby, actually. You oh, nailed yay. it. Thank you. Um, you know, I think I would have a difficult time working on a sitcom or a real morning drive time radio show, though, as nonstop high decibel forced laughing would be soul crushing for me. Yeah. You know, others are much better equipped emotionally than I to take on that task. I get it. I get it. Okay, now I'm obligated to introduce our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, before you say anything... I, I need to know if you have any paranormal skills. You know, you know, be able to transmit, you know, signals and or communicate with just your mind. I read about this. Some people paranormal. can actually do it. It's it's very real. And I, I was thinking you should give it a shot right now. <laughs> Instead of taking up valuable airtime, you could just like try to send out mind waves to our listeners, saying how happy you are to be with me right now. All right. I mean, sure, maybe most would not have the skills to hear your transmissions, but some would, as, as I know, we have at least a few highly evolved fans who check out the show. So, you know, go ahead and transmit. Um, you want? I mean, you, yeah, yeah, like trans. Are, are you doing it right now? I, uh, I don't you know. know. I mean, I, I, I don't. I'm I don't one understand. of those who have no paranormal skills at all. So, you need to tell me when you're done. I, uh, um, oh, I, I guess that that took care of it, right? So, okay, what I wait, I wait, want wait, to discuss wait, wait, a topic. Spud. Spud. I, I don't know what you mean. I, I don't possess these types of skills uh, like our show's resident psychic, Ted Marr. I would much prefer to just use my voice and say how excited I am to be here and how yeah, much but, yeah, I'm but looking... Our, our listener research states your voice is highly annoying. Yes! Oh, I don't believe that. It, uh, listen, I've never seen that research, so 
I would like to voice my thoughts on something that has been bothering me for quite a while. It would be great to get this off my chest. Listen, listen, it's, it's not appropriate it. for you to get anything off your chest. It's not the Gerald Holcomb show, right? Well, no, That's I know. something you can do on your own time at home. M- maybe one of your kids will sit with you and listen, but I doubt it, as most kids can't handle hearing their parents whining about work stuff. Oh, I know you would never sit still and listen to your father complain about a bad day at the track. Yeah. But I, I swear that man could never pick a winner. He knew nothing about horses. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. Um, that's for sure. He lost my college fund, all of the savings bonds my grandparents gave me, and also he swiped my stash of money I'd saved up for mowing lawns in the neighborhood. Well, I heard from your mother that you hired some other kid in the neighborhood to actually do the mowing. Well, yeah. Well, so really there must not have been too high a profit margin to begin with, what with your labor costs. I know, but I had that kid working seven days a week, and and I stashed away over $300. Really? You know, my dad said he would pay me back, but of course he never did. Okay, all right. So now, can I lay out what has been bothering me so much here at work? It, it would make me feel so much better to voice my feelings. And I'm pretty sure there are many of our listeners who will be able to relate to what I want to say. Um, could you put your it, complaints in writing so I could review them prior to approving them for airing on this show? Well, they might not be appropriate for all ages. You just can't verbalize you know, your innermost thoughts live here. Hell no, you can't! I mean... Uh, I, I know we have someone on the control board to bleep profanity, but, oh, you know... Oh, heaven forbid, I would not say anything profane on this show. You know that. That, that would never happen. Not, not even if I whacked you on the knee with the stapler here? It, it would hurt like hell. I'm going to beat the holy hell out of one of you. No, no. Not even if I was in excruciating pain, Spud. You know, people lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes. You know, I have my own pre-selected vocabulary of appropriate words for all ages when I need to express anger after, um, I don't know, say, stubbing my toe or accidentally hitting my thumb with a hammer. Well, stuff like that. I would love to hear your, uh, you know, pre-selected vocabulary of of non-profane words and to hear your heartfelt grievances. But right now, unfortunately, it's time for our musical guest, who I'll be speaking with a little later on. So hold that thought. You also might want to put some Kleenex in your ears because you're, those ears are not broken in, and I don't know if you're ready. But anyway, here they are. Say hello to Klondike Kate.
This is the Spud Goodman Show. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Hi, this is Barbara Eden. And how in the world did I end up with Spud Goodman on his show? Oh, well, I'll go back in my bottle. Hey, uh, Spud. Yeah. Your first guest, Jason Isaacs, is ready to go. Okay, cool. You know, Jason's one of those guys who you've seen in so many movies and TV shows. Yeah. He, he has like two new projects out right now that he wants to talk oh, about. Oh, I loved him in those Harry Potter movies playing Lucius Malfoy. He is a very attractive man. I know that, dude. Yeah, you know, we do not allow our kids to read or watch that Harry Potter. Really? Those, those things are way too witchcrafty for my comfort level. Almost demonic. Harry Potter movies are not demonic. What's wrong with you, Gerald? Well, J.K. Rowling is not promoting witchcraft in her books. Jeez. Yeah, I love Jason on that Showtime series uh, way back, Brotherhood. Too bad it was canceled. It was really good. Yeah, oh, all I know is Harry Potter may be the reason the kids of today are so unruly. Oh, brother. L- listen, wizards are bad role models. What's it going to be, yo? Come on! You mean like people used to say about Bart Simpson? Yeah, right. Anyway, just put Jason through. Uh, here he is. <laughs> Say hello to actor Jason Isaacs. We appreciate you coming on our little program. Uh, I love Seattle. If I can be there even digitally, it's a pleasure. Super. Well, you have a new film out titled Hotel Mumbai, now in theaters everywhere. It's based on that tragic story in 2008 at the Hotel Taj in Mumbai, India, correct? Where so many lost their lives in correct. the terrorist Correct. You know, 2008. Well, actually, funny enough, People have asked me to go, it's, it's a film about the terrorist attack. And actually, it's a film about the extraordinary heroism okay. and courage of the hotel staff. Because there was a time in 2008 during these series of attacks in Mumbai when one of the world's most prestigious hotels, full of the wealthiest guests from all over the world, uh, was attacked and held siege for nearly three days before any uh, army or special forces rescued them. And it was the hotel staff, the receptionists and the kitchen staff, uh, and others who smuggled guests out and went back in and smuggled more guests out. They hid them in the lift shafts. They hid them in the gyms and the clubs. They did it with the help of their relatives who were on the phone. And these are people of very humble means from very different worlds. And uh, it's a real-life story that, you know, gives the lie to this notion we're told that there's so much that divides us. Because right. when the bullets start flying, all those barriers of class and religion and race and money evaporated. And uh, people reached out and helped each other. You know, it's... Uh, it's a story that you don't hear told very often because uh, we're led to believe that, uh, that that couldn't or wouldn't happen. But, it, you know, it, when, when people are out there, when things are at their worst, mm-hmm. human beings are generally at their best. Right. Yeah, well, well said. Well, you're, you're a busy man. You also appear on the ongoing Netflix series, The OA, uh, now streaming season two. Now, this, this has a complicated, layered storyline. You, pl- you play Dr. Percy. Are you in the dark, too, about what's going on, like the cast on Lost work? Because some of them Absolutely to this day say they the can't dark. figure it out. The only time that people are in the dark is if they're trying to describe it to each other. If you watch the show, you're not in the dark. And the reason is, very unusual thing, that the star, Britt Marling and Zalbat Mangus, who, who directs and co-wrote it, They've mapped out all five seasons, so they have the entire jigsaw in their head. So when they're revealing it piece by piece, as mysterious as it is, you feel like you're in very safe hands. Sometimes there are shows on air that pretend they're part of some bigger mystery, 
And actually, if you're inside baseball like me, you know that they're making it up as they go along. You know, because they keep firing writers and hiring new people. But these guys wrote the entire first season by themselves. So it, it seems untouched by, you know, ex development executives. It's clearly completely fresh and original. And then as the second season comes out, you go, okay, we're, I'm in the hands of people with a fearless imagination. I mean, they're, they're generally the most creative and fresh voices I've ever come across. And it's got some crazy stuff in it that they get away with because they believe in it completely. Um, yeah. So I don't think it's, uh, I mean, it's complicated, but it's complicated in the way that a really great puzzle is. You feel like there is a puzzle and you will solve it. Oh, super. Well, there's a time portal, and I just love shows with time portals. I got to say that. So that's that's pretty cool. But all right. Uh, there's, there's, uh, I mean, there's, uh, I don't want to spoil it for people. And by the way, if you're going to watch season two, for God's sake, don't go on the internet. Don't look up the OA because it's got some huge twists and turns and surprise guest stars and, uh, and an amazing ending. And you really don't want to ruin any of that stuff for yourself. But yeah, it's got uh, it's got more than a time portal. If you want your if you want your head spinning off your body, it's the right show to watch. All right, super. Well, let's take a let's take a look back in your life. You you grew up in Liverpool, England. Life was a bit of a challenge, from what I've read. As a teenager, anti-Semitism was quite prevalent then, and obviously now, for that matter. But, well, then and now, it's yeah. very very rising tide of it all over Europe. You know, it's extraordinary that laws are even being passed in Poland. It's a it's a crime now to say that any Polish people helped uh, the Nazis in the Holocaust. You can, you can go to prison for that. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it didn't define, that wasn't my life as a teenager. My life as a teenager was uh, trying and failing to hook up with girls, obviously. That's what most people's lives as a teenager is. But right. there was a backdrop and uh, certainly many ugly incidents. There was a, a political party called the National Front in Britain at the time. Right, right. Uh, a very right-wing quasi-Nazi party and uh, who were standing on tickets of uh, racism and anti-Semitism. So that made for some pretty uncomfortable and violent encounters. Yeah. Uh -huh. But, you know, I, 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 when I look back at my teens, that's not what I remember. That's what I dredge up for interviews, but what I remember is the many times I, you know, went to the wrong party or was snubbed by the right girl. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when your career started to take off after many acting gigs on TV in the UK, did you see a path later of doing major motion pictures? God, no. I mean, I, I, I was stunned that I ever got any kind of job at all, and I still don't see a path anywhere. A path implies you're, you're going somewhere. I'm lurching and stumbling from stepping stone to stepping stone, and uh, sometimes forwards, sometimes backwards, sometimes sideways. Uh, you know, the, luckily, I love my job. And you know, uh, you have seen me in some big films, but it, you won't have seen me in many dozens or hundreds of uh, much smaller films. Some of which don't come out, some of which come out and close immediately, some of which go to Netflix or, or you know a channel you don't watch at five o'clock in the morning. But the truth is that I love doing them all equally. And uh, it's only that every now and again I need a payday to keep my family above water that. Uh, that I do the big ones. I would just as happily do theatre or tiny films. Well, yeah. so I, I don't see a path. I, uh, I don't have a plan. I just I try and do things that I find interesting and fun. And I'm embarrassed sometimes around my close friends and relatives who do different jobs that I like my job. You know, I like doing it as much as I do because they work to get money to do something else. I, uh, I would do this at the weekend for free if I did something else. Well, it doesn't get much more major in the motion picture biz than doing a bunch of Harry Potter films. I've heard they're really popular. Are they based on like a graphic novel or just a regular comic book? Uh, I hear that there's a happy, it's based on a happy meal. Oh, yeah. okay. All right, super. <laughs> All right.
Spud? Yes. Well, if I may, I can really relate to Jason's perspective about taking on a project that is really is, you know, somewhat minor league, you know, not really prestigious or financially rewarding just because you enjoy the work. I know my position here as co-host is not going to be something that I'm probably going to divulge when I fill out my prior work history, you know, when I apply for a host position at a station. Nothing against this show, mind you, but, well, you know how it is. Uh, Jason, I need a brief moment here. What? You're embarrassed to be associated with the Spud Goodman show? No, no. Well, I might not tell everyone in my life I'm the show's designated laugher. There are some people who might not understand why I would do this, but I'm not embarrassed to be associated with the show. That is pretty offensive, Gerald. How do well, you think that makes Spud feel? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess when you you put it like that, I, I should have kept it to myself. Sorry, Spud. Well, you owe me a better apology than that. You, maybe you can like detail my car this weekend. Uh, now, let me get back to Jason and finish this thing. All right, I'm back. Well, um, let, let's let's talk about another project. You played the role of Captain Lorca on Star Trek Discovery. Does that mean you're going to have to like appear at Star Trek conventions the rest of your life? Because I heard anybody on that series gets drafted. And they have no choice but to have to show up, even the Star Trek cruises. Oddly enough, I do go to Star Trek conventions, but I don't have to do anything. I love going to it, and I did go on the Star Trek cruise this year. Cool. And I, I didn't want to go. I thought it sounded like a, maybe the worst idea in the world. And Jonathan Frakes, who played Riker yeah. on Next Gen, said to me, you're coming and you're going to love it. And I trust him and I went and I loved it. They're, they're an extraordinary bunch of Star Trek fans. Of course, I was, you know, I've been around Harry Potter fans for a long time now. And they're, right. uh, they're amazing and they're devoted. Uh, but Star Trek fans have been Star Trek fans some, in some cases for 50 or 60 years. And they encompass in their, you know, uh, in their numbers astrophysicists and astronauts and people from, you know, people from every walk of life. Sure. Uh, and what I didn't know about Star Trek uh, maybe you don't know if you're not a tracker, is, is that it's not the sci-fi and the technology that, uh, that interests most people. It's the fact that it was always been at the forefront of civil and human rights. And and, uh, mm -hmm. and I hadn't thought about it. I was a kid when I first watched it. You know, how radical it was to have a Russian on the deck uh, at the height of the Cold War, to have Uhura, to have a, a woman and a black woman of that who was in, in a position of responsibility on the crew. I met the first African-American astronaut, and she... She became an astronaut because of Uhura. Wow. You know, so I, uh, I met, you know, so uh, Star Trek has opened up a whole new world to me, and I had no idea of its political and social significance. I knew how important it was in the world of television. Right. But, uh, yeah, no, so no one's forcing me to go to conventions. I love them. All right, super. Well, I need to get on one of those cruises, maybe with it, you're going to be there. That'd be very cool. All right. Well, you need to get in Star Trek first. Oh, you mean you want to come as a guest? Yeah, no. Guest? Yeah, I mean. I play, I... Tennis with, I play tennis this year with every guest who would take me on for charity. <laughs> All right, that's for the record. All right, well, I know you got to scoot, so let me say again that your new movie, Hotel Mumbai, is now in theaters everywhere, and your Netflix series, The OA, is now streaming season two. Thanks a bunch for checking in with us. Uh, it was great to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Mr. Jason Isaacs. It is a self-evident fact that some people seem to attract success, wealth, attainment, recognition, and personal satisfaction, apparently with very little effort. Others reach these goals with the greatest difficulty, while still others never seem to reach them at all. What is the difference? It can't be physical, and it's a proved fact that such ability isn't inherited. Obviously then, the power, the capacity, the developed skill to achieve outstanding success 
must come from within the people themselves. It's the same quality that you possess to a greater or lesser degree right now, at this very moment. And if you want to change your wishes into facts, your dreams into realities, your desires into solid achievement, the all-important answer is personal motivation. Yogi Bear is smarter than the average bear. Yogi Bear is always in the ranger's hair. At the picnic table you will find him there. Stuffing down more goodies than the average bear. He will sleep till noon, but before it's dark, he'll have every picnic basket that's in jellies from heart. Yogi has it better than a millionaire. Personal motivation. Personal motivation. Take two. If you want to change your wishes into facts, your dreams into realities, your desires into solid achievement, the all-important answer is personal motivation. Personal motivation is exactly what those two words indicate, the ability to motivate yourself to accomplishment. Personal motivation means the development of inner strength, conscious willpower, overwhelming desire, and the determination to reach any goal you personally want to achieve. The excitement continues on the Spud Goodman Radio Show following this brief intermission. Now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. So, Spud, would this be a good time to voice my feelings of, well, of... of Feelings of what? So so you have feelings. Everyone has feelings. I have feelings. And Dorothy, you have feelings, right? Well, I most certainly do. And the last I checked, they were doing okay. All right, then. If anyone cares, my feelings are kind of hurt, too. I don't want more airtime, but I would appreciate it if people here in the studio would keep their hands off the snack packs my mom gives me. She clearly labels the bag with my name. Is it too much to ask that staff members keep their hands off my stuff in the refrigerator? 
I don't think it's going to happen. Well, I would never take your snack packs chance, but my feelings are not doing okay here, everyone. As a conservative, I feel that my voice has been stifled here on this show. Basically, I've been marginalized. You know, liberals like you, Spud, try to make people uh, like me seem like we are uh, less pl than... Pl please, don't use that deplorable word, okay? Look, the reason I don't no. give you unlimited airtime on this program has nothing to do with your politics. It's because you're goofy. I mean, not tethered to this century? I mean, don't you still have a rotary phone at home? Yes, and it's a perfectly good phone. Oh, he's right on this one, Gerald. You do often spout the Trump party line like a robot. But way worse than no. that is you are living in another era, one that we will never return to, no matter how bad you wish we could. Okay, well, maybe if you could find one of those portals that take people to other dimensions, you might find true happiness. Um, I think it'd be actually... Um, yeah, and I've only seen those those kind of go-back-in-time portals in movies and TV shows. I mean, I love them, but, you know, I've never seen one in real life, so you're probably stuck with a world that is evolving, okay? History may repeat itself, but time cannot be reversed, at least as far as I know. I, I, I mean, people are not suddenly going to start wearing, like, white disco suits or flapper dresses from the Roaring Twenties again. <laughs> you know, sure, maybe, maybe basketball shorts are getting shorter these days, like in the 80s and... God help us, mustaches seem to be making a real small comeback, too. Hopefully very small, but, you know, but for the most part, time marches on. <laughs> yeah, but, but did you read that our president, Donald Trump, signed an executive order forcing colleges to allow conservative voices to be heard on campuses? I think this order may cover me here on this show. And it only makes common sense. I, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm attempting to find a copy of it to review right now. Um, listen, I support all viewpoints being heard on college campuses. That's what college is about. Students need to be able to identify a douchebag when they hear one, but not before. I mean, no one needs to be protected from free and open discussions. Well, all right, maybe babies do. I don't think they're covered under that First Amendment thingy. They shouldn't have to hear total garbage as their little brains are not developed enough, you know, to have a bullshit detector. Stop being weak! Gerald... Making yourself out to be a victim because others feel you are wrong on the issues is kind of weak, don't you think? It kind of devalues the word victim. Oh, no, I am a true victim, Mrs. Jarvitz, and not just here on the show. When I wear my MAGA hat at the mall, people quite often openly snicker at me. And, and one time last month, some kid, about, I don't know, 10 or 11, threw a pretzel at me. <laughs> and it was one of those really big pretzels, you know? It hit me on the nose, oh. and it, it stung for a little bit. Don't be so overly dramatic about it. You know, getting hit by a pretzel is not validation you're a victim, okay? Well, if you're dumb enough to wear that MAGA hat to the mall, then you have to take your chances getting beamed by a pretzel. I mean, I have had a ton of stuff tossed at me many times when I wear my Maroon 5 t-shirt out in public. I don't think people get the irony thing these days. What are you objectifying on? Heavens no. We are living in an irony-free zone, and I blame Trump for that. No one but a WWE wrestler or a third-world dictator has bragged and complimented himself more than our current president. That's kind of true. That's right. And very soon, there may be a 20-foot poster of his face on street corners everywhere. 
in the past, you know, someone like him would have been a put-on, you know, like performance art. Hmm. Well, Trump did appear a few times on WWE, and he was pretty entertaining. These guys, they make millions of dollars. They're smart as hell. When you think about it, though, actually, I could see Andy Kaufman pulling off what Trump is doing right now. Yes! Yeah, Tony Clifton, for sure. But anyway, it's time for our next guest, so someone check and see if, if, uh, if he's ready to go, okay? Uh, okay, and oh, and Spud, I'm being told by the board that your next guest, Ron Darling, is waiting on hold for you. All right, super. You know, this guy was a really good pitcher, mostly for the Mets, but he, he played for the Oakland A's and Montreal Expos, too. He was in the major leagues for, I think, like 11 seasons, and now he's a New York Mets broadcaster. Yeah, this guy could pitch. And also, wasn't too bad to look at on the mound. What a handsome jock. Courtney, Chloe. Uh, you know, Mrs. Jarvitz, you really need to get a handle on your hormones. <laughs> you seem to be in a high state of arousal when we have attractive male guests on this show. I, I got to tell you, I'm really glad Spud's not doing his TV show nowadays, as you'd have to be constrained. Oh, brother. Oh, I'm not glad I don't have my TV show anymore. What well, a dumb dangerous. thing to say. I'd, I'd rather see you. How about that? You and your former job selling timeshares over the phone. How'd that work out for you? The answer is... Uh, you know, no need to get personal. Timeshares in Haiti are not easy to sell over the phone. Right, just put Ron through. Yeah, here he is. Welcome to the show, author and former Major League pitcher Ron Darling. Thanks for calling into our show, man. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so you have a new book out titled 108 Stitches. This is not like a how-to manual for surgeons, right? I'm guessing it's about baseball. It's a saloon book, if there ever was one. It's one you do in one sitting. Um, you can open up to any page and, and, and go from there. Um, you can open it up at any time if you had to put it down. Um, the 108 um, refers to the 108 stitches in a baseball um, and I also played on a team that won 108 games, so I really just wanted a, a, a book that kind of each story led to the next story, interconnected to the next story or personality, and at the end, hopefully, it forms a fully rounded baseball. All right. All right. Well, you know, in, in sports terms, you, you've been to the mountaintop, winning the World Series in 1986. How weird was it for you in the locker room afterwards, you know, soaked in champagne, looking back at, at previously being a position player at Yale in college as a freshman? What are the odds that your story played out as it did? A billion to one? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a high odd, uh, in fact. I was... Um, you know, I was just one of those guys that always wanted to be an everyday player. A lack of talent pushed me to be a pitcher. And um, um, I, I, I just know that, you know, the team that I played on was an incredible team. And even though we won a world championship, we had to get past Houston and had a lot of breaks there. We had to get past Boston, probably had the biggest break there. So it just shows you, you know, when people talk about someone not winning a championship in their lifetime, a great player or any player without winning a championship, um, that, I'm really reminded that uh, we came so close to not winning one there, and we're very fortunate. Right. Well, I, I can't let any reference to the 1986 World Series go with, without getting your perspective on the infamous air by Bill Buckner of the Red Sox. After the series was over, did you or any of your Met teammates feel sympathy for Buckner as, as he's had to live with that for the rest of his life? You know, sports fans are brutal. Yeah, um, you know, I, I don't think players feel sympathy for each other um, in, in, in the way of this. I think the sympathy you might have felt is that 
Bill has been uh, such a great player his entire career. Yeah. I played against him when he was in Chicago, one of the best clutch hitters in the game, and compromised by some injuries in that uh, in that series that you felt for him because you didn't want that to be his denouement, you know, his uh, calling card for the rest of his uh, career because it had been too good. Um, certainly, uh, the Bill Buckner play is going to live forever, and, and that's an unfortunate thing. But for us to play it against him, um, I don't think we think of him as the Bill Buckner play. We think of him as uh, the great hitter, Bill Buckner. As a as a player, do you, do you really carry that for the rest of your life? Or I mean, I don't know how how tough it's to shake that one off. Yeah, I, I will tell you personally, I only carry around me uh, the times I failed to come up clutch or to pitch a good game. Uh, all the good games I pitched are kind of a blur. Don't even think about them, not once. Uh, I never go to seat and go, boy, remember that time I struck out 12? Never happened. The only games I think about are the ones I came up short. And uh, I don't know if that's uh, uh, just my personality or if that's uh, an athlete's cross to bear, but that has been uh, my story. Really? Well, like when I mess up an interview, I, I can't sleep that night. But anyway, all right. I know it's a little different, <laughs> a little less uh, in magnitude. You know, Spud, what? I do remember that fielding error that Bill Buckner made in Game 6 in the 1986 World Series. Yeah. I was watching that game with my dad. You know, he really did lose the series for the Red Sox. Excuse me, Ron, for just a moment. Okay, good to know. Well, I've always felt a kinship with Bill Buckner, as my whole life, people have tried to blame me for events that ended badly. Uh, you know, my father continues to heap blame on me to this day for my failings as a Little League player. I was cut by every team until the sixth grade when my dad volunteered to fully sponsor one of the teams and they let me play. But I would occasionally pinch run for someone if it was a blowout, you know? Oh, Gerald, I think it's time you let your memories of Little League go. Just move on. Well, yeah, you know, I myself, you know, may not have been cut from a Little League team, but I never got to play much, okay? Uh, mostly I was the backup in charge of warming up pitchers. Well, my father was a former semi-pro player, so he had very high expectations for me. Well, think about it this way. By not playing much, he never had the chance to screw up like Bill Buckner. That's how I yeah. look at it now. And, you know, anyway, I got to get back to Ron. Okay, I'm back. All right, well, let me, let me hit you with this. In 2000, you got into broadcasting. There's no other sport like baseball in terms of, you know, the demands of, of on announcers to fill airtime between pitches because you have to entertain, educate, and analyze through three-plus hours with, well, I don't know, what, maybe 30 minutes of actual action. Is it the toughest sports assignment for broadcasters? Um, you could make the argument that's the toughest or the easiest, you know, in both ways. Uh, uh, toughest because of content but easiest if you're lucky enough, like I am, to work with Gary Cohen and Keith Hernandez, um, that it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a, a great experience every single day I go to the ballpark. So, um, you know, uh, yes, it lends itself to a lot of stories. It lends itself to a lot of uh, uh, conversation. And I think the better you are at it, the better the broadcast is going to be. And uh, I'm lucky enough to work with two of the best. Yeah. Uh, maybe golf has more downtime between stuff happening, but I, I really wouldn't know because I can't stay awake when it comes on TV. Curling has more action, <laughs> in my opinion. But anyway, I, I, I wonder how, how much they have to pay the, the golf announcers just to, just to keep their eyes open. <clears throat> but anyway, all right. Well, yeah. 
No, I'm, I'm not kidding. I, 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 if I need a good nap, I, I will put golf on myself. Yeah. All right. Well, I wanted to get your take on, say, where the, the game is salary-wise for the players. With, with Bryce Harper's $330 million, Manny Machado's $300 million deal, and the rumored Mike Trout deal for $430 million, as a now-retired player, timing is everything in life, isn't it? Uh, it really is. Um, I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, I, I get asked all the time, you know, why wouldn't you, uh, uh, boy, wish if you played today, imagine how much money you'd be making, this or that. Um, listen, I, I played after a time when ball players had to work a second job. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know I had it much better than the people before me. The players, they have it much better than, than, than my age player. I think it's just a natural progression. The pie has gotten bigger. They're sharing a bigger part of the pie. Um, I, I, I think I don't begrudge the player and, and what he makes today. Um, I, I think that it's very hard to live up to the contract. I think that's the cross uh, to bear that the players have. Right. Well, all right, let's 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 step outside of baseball. You've also done a little acting in the movie and TV biz. Were the craft services on the set comparable to what food was served in the locker room after games? Uh, well, uh, locker room food in my day was just food now in today's game is a tremendous. Uh, but... Um, uh, craft services was fine if you're into a lot of fried food. I think that uh, uh, fried food is what craft services does, does best. So if you love fried food, you're good with craft services. Yeah, well, like baseball now, I mean, they have like chefs, uh, uh, like assistant chefs and uh, all sorts. Of, I don't know. I mean, they live large. That's all I want. That's what well, I've read. All players are taking better care of themselves than they ever have. They're monitoring their sleep, their spin rate, their velocity rate, what they eat what they put in their body. Um, they are well-oiled machines, better than any time in the history of the game. All right. Well, I'm going to end this inter- interview with uh, asking you this. Ron Darling, what has been your most memorable moment on Earth? Uh, was it on the field or off the field? Um, definitely uh, definitely off the field. I think, uh, you know, um, I became a dad later in life, and certainly the uh, first Birth of my two oldest sons uh, were the biggest moments that I had ever had. But having a son at 55 years old, uh, who's three years old now, has uh, uh, rejuvenated, revitalized, and, and made me feel uh, different than I've ever felt at any point, point in my life. All right, I'm a, I wrote that down. I'm a, I might, I might think about that myself. All right, because I'm, I'm not exactly a spring chicken. My you know, anyway. All right, well, let me say again, your new book titled "108 Stitches" is now available at bookstores everywhere. People just need to ask for it. So, hey, thanks so much for coming on our show. Thank you, Spud. I appreciate it. Take care. Spud goodness to a new low. Spud goodness to a new low. For a genuine musical treat, tune in to the, the Spud Goodman Show, radio's famous program that takes you on a magic carpet of melody to a world of beauty. All right, it's musical guest interview time. Please give a warm welcome to our musical guest. Klondike Kate. All right, please tell our listeners your name and instrument of choice. Hi, I'm Kate Roxwell, and I play the drums. Hi, I'm Brenda Cayley, and I play the bass. And I'm Mad Dog. I play the guitar. All right, well, uh, previously it was just two women for a while, right? Before we tossed in a dude. Correct. 
it's right. it's been that way for um, quite a few years, and we just uh, picked up this guy a couple of weeks ago, giving him a spin. Oh, hitchhiking or all right. Well, um, well, let me ask you this: Now that you do have a, a guy in the band, do you have to, you know, waste a lot of time telling him you can't do like a four and a half minute guitar solo? Not yet, so far. Yeah, he's been pretty good actually. Um, you know, uh, getting him, he's been showing up. But I guess he's been um, stalking our band for a couple of years, so this is like a dream come true for him, and we're, right. we're letting him have that. Super. All right. Um, but step up to the mic and be honest with me. Would you really like to just lay a f- like a four or five minute guitar solo on them? Oh, they they picked really well to avoid those because I'm not one of those guys that can do that. I'm just sitting here by the seat of my teeth that are attached to my pants because they're dentures. All right, you're modest. You're modest. I still feel this vibe that you really want to crank like a six or seven minute solo out, but I'll just let it go. All right. So what's the band's official position on a possible space force? It, it does sound really cool. Um. I think it's a fantastic idea uh, to go in the space. I think we should take maybe half of these going to be 8 billion people and um, send them out. This is cute. I think the Space Force is like, I think they, well, I think they want to blow stuff up. I mean, because I'm worried that they might oh, blow yeah. up the whole Milky Way. I mean, things could go wrong. So I, I think it's sad that the name Space Force sounds cool, but, you know, I, be careful what we wish for. I mean, that's all I'm trying to say. We could send all the kids with ADHD out there. Okay. All right. Super. Um, you know, away from the music biz, what do you guys do for fun? Any unusual hobbies? Oh yes, we have quite a few unusual hobbies. And just remember, we're on terrestrial radio too. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm Kate, and they're like making me talk about myself here. Um, my hobbies. Um, I lately I've been breeding reptiles and um yeah so i have uh, quite a few like chameleons and lizards and but i also have like uh, birds and dogs and i'm just kind of like one of those animal people like i have this urban farm in my uh house in the middle of tacoma oh very cool i don't know if if anyone is interested i collect fungus (laughs) it's it's a little smelly in my apartment especially in the summer but i enjoy it but all right well you guys have a new record out or it's coming out what's the title um, our record we just dropped was a uh, 13.5, and it's um, the Clonic K has a history of adding and uh, different local musicians into the mix. Now, Britta and I have been together for quite a while, uh, quite a few years, but we're adding another one in. But our version between the two of us um, as a two-piece was 13.5. That's how many versions we've had. Yeah, wow. Super. All right. Well, what's the name of the next song, and what's it about? Um, this, is, this is a song Brenda wrote, so I'll All let right. her talk about it. Let's do it. It's called Escape.
This is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hi, this is Cherie Curry from The Runaways, and you are listening to the one and only Spud Goodman Show. Woohoo! Now. Uh, Spud, yeah. your last guest, Austin Nichols, is holding for you. We have John from Cincinnati on our show. You know, that HBO show from like way back was so cool. I know the critics kind of ripped it, but I loved it. Uh, you know, I'm not familiar with that Cincinnati show. H- has he been in anything else? Uh, yeah, I think you might have heard of another show he was on, The Walking Dead. We have another actor from The Walking Dead on. Uh, we had now must have had the full cast of that program on our show. You little b****s out there are going to go watch your TV and your movies. Uh, no way. I mean, they have to have like a buttload of cast members over the years. I mean, so many of them get eaten by those damn walkers. Oh. But, but Austin is now in like a new movie that he wants to talk about. Well, I sure hope there are no zombies in that movie. Frankly, I've had enough of them. Shut up. Well, a uh, good thing most of the world hasn't, as AMC still needs to you know, like fill airtime. Uh, j- just put Austin through. Yeah, very well. Here he is. Say hello to actor and director Austin Nichols. Thanks for coming on our show. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you have a new film out, The Iron Orchard. It's about life in the Texas oil business during the 1930s and 40s. You know, that was back before people had to worry about their carbon footprint, right? Yeah, absolutely. We had an incredible team from Austin, Texas, put this thing together. And we, we made it independently. We had no money in when you see the movie, it's stunning because it looks like we had $20 million. Huh, super. That's That was kind of your old neighborhood, right? Yeah. Well, let's look <laughs> way back at your career. You were pretty fortunate as you basically worked your way through college at USC by acting in movies. That that beats work in construction or landscaping, man. <laughs> True. I remember thinking when I was in college, I was doing a full load and I started getting jobs as an actor. And I was in acting class in which there was a, a solid time commitment during you know, a few days a week. I was just curious, though. Um, did your did your classmates ever give you much Because they were probably working at, like, In-N-Out or Magic Mountain or something. I just... My, my, I did have friends give me um, along the way, you know, especially a long time ago. And when I told people I wanted to be an actor, especially in high school, and they, they just kind of laughed and... Um, didn't believe me, <laughs> and I remember, I remember, I can't remember which job it was, but it might have been the day after tomorrow, or one of like a big movie or, or something. I just remember remembering those old days and going, no, I, 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 I was proud. I was like, I, I said I was going to do something, and I did it, and I was, I was just proud of myself, I guess. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, well, let let me hit you with this. You recently completed a run on The Walking Dead, playing the character Spencer Monroe. You, uh, yeah, I, yeah, lasted like 15 episodes, which which isn't too shabby, you know, before you got killed by the evil uh, Negan. Well, is it disappointing to go out not eaten by a walker? Uh, <laughs> that's a great question. It would not for me, only because I had uh, I, had, I had such a great memorable death. It's the, um, the comic book fans always come up to me and know tell me that I had one of the best deaths on the show it's one of their it's like a fan favorite for time which is such a weird thing to like um like for <laughs> but um yeah in the comic book Negan has all this great dialogue and 
that he killed me in a very memorable way. So, um, yeah, Spencer was an interesting character. Well, not the most beloved, but definitely weirdly loved afterward for uh, his death scene. Yeah, it must have been. You must have been really bummed at the table reading when you when you got word. But yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess that's acting. Yeah, that's the business. Um, <laughs> well, oh, I couldn't uh, even imagine. Could you imagine if if they gave me if they gave me the script and they didn't read it in a table read without even knowing? I, I would want to know what I would do. Oh, well, that was, that was nice. They gave you a heads up. That's cool. All right. Um, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Excuse me, Spud. Yes. Well, I cannot help but think about the day when I will be told my services will no longer be needed on this program. Yeah. I know I will not be given a highly produced death scene like Austin got on that Walking Dead show, but I can only imagine my dismissal will come via text or email. I doubt you'll display the courage to communicate this to my face. Uh, Austin, I just need a sec. Still going with the victim thing, huh? Well, well, let me tell you, when management finally listens to me and agrees I do not need a freaking co-host, I will gladly inform you to your face, and nice guy that I am, I will chip in to buy you a going-away gift, too. Oh, maybe we can make something so we don't have to take up a collection. Gerald, you don't need another gift card, right? Wouldn't some handmade creation be more meaningful? No. If I have a choice in, in, in when my time comes, I want to opt for the gift card. Well, you know, if we all kick in, it, it won't be that expensive. Even me? I'm an unpaid intern. Yeah, you too. You're part of the staff. Now let me get back to Austin. All right, I have returned. Thank you. Well, I, I know you got to get going, so let me say again that your movie, The Iron Orchard, is now in theaters and will be available on other platforms, so people need to look for it. Thanks a whole bunch for checking in with us. Thanks so much for having me, Ted. All right, Mr. Austin Nichols. Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy is a legendary porn star. Yeah, maybe his real acting career didn't go too far, and maybe he could never afford a really nice car, but he was the hedgehog, and he could get a free drink on the house, in any bar. Ron Jeremy is a legendary porn star because he was really well endowed, but I won't lie, he made me feel really inadequate. Spud, yeah. I'd rather not file a formal complaint with the government over how I'm being treated on this show. I don't think you would enjoy being served a summons to appear before a special commissioner or whoever President Trump will be appointing to rule on cases like this. <laughs> Look, I, I've gotten out of jury duty for the last 20 years, so there's no chance I'll be appearing before any kangaroo court ordering me to give you more airtime. Good call, yo. I hope you don't think I will be posting your bail if you get arrested, Spud. I'm not going to get arrested. Well, I, you have to know I have a strict budget that I'm following. Chance and I are saving for a Caribbean cruise we want to take. Yes, but I'm really looking forward to our cruise, so don't count on your aunt getting you out of any more financial jams. You are a big boy. Hey, I, 
No one needs to post bail for me, okay? This is still America, uh, you know, for the most part. Well, yeah, but it's a new day now. And soon, conservatives everywhere will finally get their day in the sun, and it's long overdue. We will be muted no more. Why so serious? Wait a minute. Conservatives in America rule the AM radio airwaves. I mean, they have the highest rated cable news channel, Fox News, uh, a, a company that owns hundreds of local TV stations around the country, 193, I think, to be exact. Sinclair Broadcasting, they own them. Uh, there's also a buttload of websites that create tons of content read by millions. And, Good. And, and conservatives hold the White House and the Senate. I think it's time you and your fellow right-wingers accept victory and stop complaining. What, you, you want to win everything by a shutout? That's a little greedy, don't you think? Yeah, no one likes greedy people, right? Well, now that President Trump has been fully vindicated of all those flimsy charges fully? alleged by Mueller and fully. the liberals of this country, <laughs> yeah, people, well, you can laugh, but people like you, Spud, seriously. Seriously. How many times have you mentioned that our commander-in-chief was a possible employee of Vladimir Putin? Russia, if you're listening. Just because they may be best friends, it doesn't make him compromised. That's a big leap. Yeah, yeah, I guess. You know, he, he just likes him. And, and that dude in North Korea, too. And then we fell in love. I mean, no way he would, like, ever make decisions just to please those type of guys. Eh, I mean, sorry I ever made those accusations. Uh-huh. He maybe have been cleared of collusion. No collusion. But he's still an I mean, would you invite him to your house for dinner? My parents would invite Donald Trump for dinner. Really? They believe in showing kindness to mean and rude people in hopes they'll change. Ah. Hmm. If he came to our house, though, I'd probably just take my plate to my room and play video games. Well, I know that I and, and millions of others now can sleep well at night knowing that the two-year witch hunt is finally over. Now it's a new day, and I will tell you this. The worm has turned. What Don't worm? be surprised if a certain female who ran for president just might be seeing the inside of a jail cell soon. Lock her up. That's right. Get that's right. Hey, this is not Saudi Arabia or a few other countries in that sandy part of the world. We don't lock up political opponents in this country. Okay, at least I don't think we do. Uh, I mean, there are a few rock stars, though, that I might want to spend just like maybe a weekend in jail for the crap they've dumped on the world lately. Uh, heads up, Imagine Dragons. And I wouldn't mind seeing that my pillow guy on those TV commercials do a day or two in jail. Yeah. He really gets on my nerves. Ooh, yeah. Now, why would you say that, Mrs. Jarvis? You know, our whole family has their own my pillow. I even take it with me to hotels and motels when I travel, as I don't feel comfortable really? using theirs. <laughs> well, listen, I've read that it's highly probable that others may have performed uh, illicit acts on them. You never know. That's so hot. Look, you can try and report me to, to whatever government agency that, that handles complaints of supposed unfairness, but yeah. as soon as I submit a sample episode of our show with you on it, I'm going to win the case and it's going to be a slam dunk. Oh, well, I guess we'll just have to see, Spud. All yeah, I we know, will. You will see. Well, I think we will see. All oh, I really? know is well, that we the, with the days of me being persecuted are over. Donald, really? Yeah. Donald Trump isn't the only one with a little spring in his step these days, you know. Do you do you want to get ahead of what's going to be coming as a formal order coming very soon? Uh, listen, K- 
can I close the show this week as I have written a very witty closing statement. I, I have it right here. Hang on. Hang. Uh, okay. <clears throat> it has been my pleasure to serve as co-host on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I would rather be locked up uh, than put our listeners through what you might spew forth no, in that good. address you have there. Uh, I will turn myself in as soon as the show's over. What the hell, Joe? Oh, I'll have my sweetie Chance drive your car home if you're going to jail later, Spud. He only has his driver's permit, though, so maybe some other adult here can go with him. I have my own car to deal with. Oh, okay, look, look. Maybe we can come to an agreement to settle this out of court. What do you say, Spud? I will drop my case against you if I can be given... Oh, let's say 25% more airtime. That sounds like a win-win for everyone. I don't think so. Yeah, not not for the human race. I'll take my chances for the sake of my fellow man. Just just zip it while I, I, as the host of this show, close the program. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Once again, here is Klondike Kate. The Spud Goodman Show is written and directed by Spud Goodman, executive producer Laurie Madsen, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions, engineered by Trevor Jastad, and recorded at the facilities of NWCZ Radio, associate producer TJ Pites, video director Wyatt Young, production assistants Brian Martin and Chance Morrison, original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon, on-air talent Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan, copyright 2019 Spud Goodman Productions, David Brenneman speaking. Talking about my-